Hi, you're listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for this week, ending Friday the 16th of December. Normally, we're on Triple R every weekday morning from 6 to 9am. That's Mon, Bobby and Daniel. But this is our last one for the year. Bobby, you're off to Adelaide. Yes. I'm off to give birth. <laughs> so it's our last podcast as a team. Uh, and coming up on the podcast this week, Bobby was uh, commentating at Renegades Family Day but decided to sign autographs as a cricketer anyway. And Sarah Morrison from A Christmas Carol talks handbells and more. And long speeches, I don't like them. Cut it down or cut it out. <laughs> Digger talks plants climbing up the wall and Bobby gets nostalgic over some unexpected smells. Woo! <sighs> That's right. Triple R. Beautiful weather over the weekend. I was in um, Werribee yesterday hosting uh, Melbourne Renegades Family Day. So family events for free family activities and everything for for kids and supporters of the Renegades. You get to meet the players, all that kind of stuff. Uh, When I arrived, I went up to the DJ. Normally that's where you just pick up your microphone. And um, there was a woman that was DJing who I hadn't met before. So I just introduced myself. Hi, I'm Bobby. Um, I'm hosting. She's like, hey, I'm I'm Anna. I said, oh, have you done... uh, Have you done many Renegades events before? She said, oh, no. I said, oh, okay. Do you live locally? She said, no. I said, okay. And then another Renegades staff member was nearby. She goes, well, this is going well. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then we laughed. Anyway, uh, Anna said to me, she goes, oh, you know what? The only sporting association that I have is with this thing. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's called the Community Cup. <laughs> I said, Absolutely. You are a megahertz or a rock dog? She said, oh, no, I'm one of the one of the cheerleaders for the rock dogs. I do that every year. I was like, oh, great. I'm, I'm with Triple R, so I'm one of the megahertz. So we found common ground. Excellent. Thank God, because it was getting a little bit awkward and stressful. Um, <laughs> but that was nice. Uh, in the end, she didn't have my microphone anyway, so I didn't really need it. To, no, it, it was lovely <laughs> to get to know Anna. Uh, shout out to her. Um, waste of time, Bobby. Don't wasted pretend. Wasted my time. You don't even have my microphone. No, she was lovely. <laughs> Um, throughout the day we have, uh, and, and this has happened previously as well, we had all the, the male players that were there from the team, uh, which was great. Uh, all the fans loved it. And with the women, because the women's competition has finished, uh, a lot of the players have either moved back overseas where they live or interstate or, or whatnot. So we just had a couple of players. So they were just the two. My uniform is the playing uniform. That's just what they give us when you're hosting. Oh, like, yeah. like the shirt is a, is a player's top. Okay, so um, not a full cricket. No, no, but it kind of looks like it with what I was wearing. Uh, and then we have a Do you signing. get to keep it? Sorry? Do you get to keep it? Yeah, well, it's got my name on the back of it as well. It says Bobby, so people Ooh, just yell my name. Mm. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we were, it's a, I was talking to the crowd and stuff and then we have a, a signing section afterwards and it, it happened years ago when people have asked me to sign things that I think they get confused that I'm a player I was like oh god I'm absolutely not a player uh whereas and, and I have had some awkward conversations of me saying no oh I'm not a player and then upsetting kids and the parents going can you just sign the cricket bat I'm like I, I, okay so now I, <laughs> they want you to sign it whoever you are yeah, exactly <laughs> So now I'm just like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to grab a pen. Yeah, just if that, Well, no, I didn't grab a pen, but I had a few people coming up and asking me to sign their hats, their shirts. Idiots. I know. <laughs> and I had these children coming up with the, with the women's team poster and they're like, can you sign the poster? I'm like, well, who am I going to sign on? For Christ's <laughs> sake. So I'll sign down the bottom. Um, got a couple of photos. Kids are getting photos. And then this one adorable boy, he was nervous. And you could see his day. He's going, that's okay. Just go up and ask. Go up and ask. I was like, hey, buddy. He's like, oh, can I? Can you sign my poster? I said, yep. 
and then um, he's like, oh, can can I get a photo, please? I was like, yeah, of course. And he was just so nervous and gorgeous. And then we took the photo and then he looked at me and he wanted to say something like, you having a good day? He said, you're my favourite player. And then grabbed the poster and walked away. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, you're adorable. <laughs> I don't know who you think I am, but that is so cute. <laughs> do, you, do you look like one of the players? I don't. I, I mean, I'd like to say... Maybe. Yeah. Uh, there is a South African player, maybe Shabnim Ishmael, who is a little bit shorter than me, uh, half my size, which is the fastest, one of the fastest bowlers in oh, the world. Oh, that'll be it. So that'll oh, be wow, me, yeah. Shabnim Ishmael. That is me. I'll <laughs> sign that off. Do you feel like you're being thrown under the bus with this uh, making you wear the top? I mean, it wouldn't it be like <laughs> Bruce McAvaney at the 2000 Olympics <laughs> in like a condom skin suit? Oh, my God. If <laughs> You're my favourite runner. <laughs> Bruce can't believe he did it. <laughs> I'd love to see him in one of those. I know. It, it, is, it is a little bit crazy. I, I don't know. They want us to stand and look a part of the team. I, I don't know mm. what it is. Um, but I did have uh, an, an older man come up and he was getting photos and stuff. And he had just asked me to sign his hat. So I'd signed his hat and then he came over with his phone. I was like, oh, what's a selfie? Uh, he's like, oh. Would you mind? I was like, yeah, 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 we can get a photo. He goes, oh, can you take a photo of uh, Brody and I, the other MC? <laughs> I was oh. like, yeah, 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 sure. No worries. <laughs> Give me your phone, you son of a... Oh. <laughs> Oh. That old humiliating. That old, yeah, we can get a sure. Yeah, the bait and switch or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, what about collar up? Is is it? No, well, it doesn't have a collar. These ones, I know the old school cricket tops always have collars, but mm. these ones now, they I don't know, they they don't have it. So. And uh, the other uh, MC, what was the? Was that a photo because you were both MCs? Um, he's probably more well known than I am. He does the men's games. I do the women's games. Oh, so yeah. uh, a lot of the a lot of the people that were at the family days followed the men's team. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and how's your um, signature game? Well, or autograph game. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's not great. At, at the start of the day, I'm like, well, what am I? What am I writing? Like, yeah. Do I even is it Bobby or just B McCumber? Is it a do I have to make it legible so they can see it? It's probably not. Probably best if I don't, so they don't so question thinking, it. Yeah, make it just look like a bit of scribble, and they go, oh, "That's probably Shabnam Ishmael." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just look like, look them up, send by it the way. To the Renegades Ombudsman or whatever. <laughs> yeah, for... exactly. Bobby, there is there is no likeness with you in this person. Just... Well, look, that was the closest one. Okay, oh, you... maybe if you straightened your hair. <laughs> Oh, that happens. Could do, could do. Um, yeah, okay, look, I don't look like any of them, all right? I'm trying to find one. I'm my no, favorite, I don't. favourite player. Anyway, um, <laughs> you should start, you could start charging. Like, how far do you let it go? Like, imagine if, if they, I'm thinking if they actually mis- mistook you for a real person. And then I started signing as that person. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. That's unethical. It is unethical. Thank mm. Yeah. No, and I you mean- should tell the little kids that. It's unethical that you're asking me to do this. <laughs> what about, would you, uh, uh, if you're going to, because people practice their autographs, don't they, when they're kids? Yeah. Mm. So yes. would you, maybe you need to set aside 20 minutes. Before the autograph signing? Yeah, or just today or just, uh, whatever. <laughs> I will. I think you've got a good, because if you're going with Bobby, yeah. and then, I don't know, what about if you italicise the two, the, 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 Bo- the first B in Bobby. Yes. And then the B in McCumber. Oh. Like, I t- like put it on an angle. 
No, like, oh, no, sorry, capitalise it. Capitalise, got you. So Does first, anyone do that? It makes sense with the start of your name. That's, that's good yeah, grammar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be but Bobby's Macum- And then just a random capital B in the middle of Macumba. Mm, yeah. And people already had a capital C in the Macumba as well. So <laughs> Oh, I'm, yeah, like a Mac- uh, Yes, Macumba. Oh, yeah. okay. All right, oh. so you don't like it. But we're just spitballing we're here. We're spitballing. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, I appreciate we it. We want to equip you with all the tools for <laughs> these. Mm, do yeah. you just do B sometimes? Just B. We did you say oh. B? Oh yeah, instead of Bobby. Yeah, right. Just the B, because then I find the double B. B trying to sign a double B, like a. Was there any cricket going on, or is it all just photos and autographs? Yeah, well, no, and... it wasn't cricket. It was a family day. Oh, right? family day. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it was. Yeah, it was all fun and games until three o'clock, and then we did have a game that started, but then I left. <laughs> oh, yeah, That's it. You're not paying me after this. I'm out. <laughs> Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. means a lot. Sarah Morrison is a TV and theatre actor who has starred in productions including Mamma Mia, Ladies in Black and made her West End debut when she joined the London production of Come From Away. You can now catch Sarah in the smash hit Old Vic production of Charles Dickens' immortal classic A Christmas Carol, which won five Tony Awards and is in Melbourne at the Comedy Theatre starring David Wenham this December. To tell us about it, the acclaimed performer joins us now. Sarah, welcome to Breakfasters. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Is it fair to say you're ground zero of the Christmas spirit? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very festive. How come? <laughs> to, what, what, what is it about this production that really meets us where the juicy Christmas festive vibe is at? I think, you know, you have that kind of classic tale which has been adapted for stage by Jack Thorne, um, which you've seen Harry Potter, The Cursed Child, that's that, of that um, kind of fame. I think with this show, what I have heard from a lot of friends who've come to see it is that it's not what they expected. Um I think people have an idea in their head of a Christmas carol and I think you'll I think they do find there's something quite uh, different about our production. It's not exactly what you're you're going to expect, but of course it's got some Christmas carols in there and that classic story about redemption and it's quite a feel good fuzzy very wholesome mm. show. Mm. What do people expect, do you suppose? I think like, you know, that very Dickensian, um, which, you know, there's definitely that element. We have the sort of uh, black top hats and the black coats and there's even a little bit of snow, which obviously for us, (laughs) well, it's quite cold at the moment, but generally speaking, it's often really, really hot for our Christmas. So it is a bit of a leap to, but it's very immersive uh, sitting in the theatre and sort of being transported to quite a different place. Were you familiar with the text before you joined the cast? Not really. I hadn't even seen, um, a lot of people might be familiar with, the Muppets mm. uh, version of A Christmas Carol, <laughs> which I haven't even seen. But So I wasn't really, which was quite nice to come at it with really fresh eyes. Mm. And we haven't seen, the, the production has been running for the last uh, six or seven years in London. So this is the premiere of it here in Australia. So we didn't really even have, obviously, a reference for this particular production. Um which is directed uh, originally by Matthew Warchess, who's just directed Matilda the movie and the original director mm. of Matilda the musical. Yeah. Can it, the, the, I mean, I, I have never seen it performed, but I'm familiar with the text and it can be quite dark. Like there are parts of the story that are kind of scary. Is there any of that in the show? I think there is definitely. The, um, of course, you've got the three ghosts, mm. uh, which I think in this production up uh, is a really new look at it they're portrayed by three women which often I think in lots of different uh, versions are often male characters these are three female presenting characters um, which I think is a really lovely 
fresh take on it. Uh, what I think this production does a really beautiful job is, is giving Scrooge, we can all kind of conjure an image of this really cranky old man. I think it gives some really beautiful context to where he began, why maybe he is the way he is, how he ended up so disgruntled and um, we're basically where we meet him at the start of the play. Um, yeah, I think that mm. works. Do you reckon people, people getting emotional? Yeah, uh, very emotional. There's some really sort of heart-wrenching scenes in the show and often there's a, we do a final kind of carol at the end with our handbells and it is a very, uh, very simple moment but you often see a lot of people wiping away tears. I mean, Christmas can be quite... It can mean lots of different, or this time of year anyway, not even just Christmas, but this season can be not necessarily just light, but also can be heavy, can bring lots of memories and be quite nostalgic for many different reasons. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's a show that seems to be touching people no matter, you know, how old, how young, who they are. Do you have a handbell technique? (laughs) 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 Yes, I do. I hope so, if anyone's got one. (laughs) We, um, it's actually the only set of handbells, I believe, in Australia. Um, so we're very lucky to have them. Um, we had the head of the Handbell Society come and give us a, a tutorial. It's a very precise way to ring right. a handbell, right? Um, but we've uh, come a long way, I think, as a, as a handbell band, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Were you a natural with it or did it take a bit of uh, practice? <laughs> you do have to be – you have to be quite confident with it. Otherwise, you'll do this and it won't ring, which oh. can feel a bit eggy. When, when we say – so just to clarify, handbell, it's like what you – like it's like the sort of stick with bells on either side of it? Yeah, literally like a, a bell with a little sort of strap that you hold on to. Right. And each bell has a single pitch. So we've all got – uh, most people, we all have two at a time. Some people will ring a third, which is quite... Oh, it's like a bell that like someone rings in a town square kind of thing. Yeah, I was thinking kind of, of jingle like... bells. Ah, uh, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a real musical instrument. Yeah. So it's a deal if you don't commit, then no sound comes out. So, yeah, that can happen. Or if it's um, the handbell has to face a certain way, if it's around the wrong way, it won't sound. So you have to, there's like a little symbol that you have to double check is facing you. Mm. Otherwise that could also be very... Why, do we, why does Australia not have many handbells if it's so it's if it's so evocative and it gets people weeping in the aisles? Makes people think of trams too much. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, now, what's it like being on stage with David Wenham? Oh, it's it's very cool. <laughs> uh, he's he's been wonderful to work with. It's amazing to um, watch someone of that calibre and watch him work and learn from him every day and sort of. Have, have watched him, you know, through rehearsals, seen how his how he approaches the character and um, definitely uh, definitely a highlight for mm. me, yeah. What's something that you might learn? Like what, where, where does the time spent manifest itself in your learning? I, what I loved, um, and I probably, obviously he's done lots of film and TV um, and I, I love watching if he tripped on a line in, in rehearsals or he was as, as he was navigating the script and figuring out where he wanted to place it, um, if it, he would just keep going, he would keep pushing through a moment to sort of find it, which I, I, was, I thought was amazing because in that discovery, he, you know, all these noodle kind of gems I could see him playing with, um, whereas maybe uh, if that happened, I might have stopped and gone, oh, I'll start again because I want to mm. get it right. From, but he'll just keep 
kind of sitting in that discomfort, or not even discomfort, but in that, in the playfulness of um, wrapping his mouth around the words and the text. And yeah, that was really cool. Mm. Mm. Uh, and the laughs that Scrooge gets, are they in the script or does David Wenham bring that out? I think it's probably definitely a bit of both. I mean, he's a he's a wonderful technician and he's does marvelous things with the text. Um, and it's also, I think, Jack Thorne has brought a really lovely lightness to the script. And Matthew Warchess, uh, our, uh, the associate director Jamie Manton, who came over to direct us here, he said that Matthew has said that he's directed the first uh, three quarters of the play as his sort of forty, I think he's as, as his current self. And then the last quarter as his nine-year-old self. <laughs> so there is a lovely balance and there's some really lovely lightness that is directed and written into the piece as well. Yeah, Yeah, right. Just finally, where do you put the handbells at the end? Do they go in like a velvet case? Or? <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, they have a, yeah. They have a velvet case. <laughs> yep. And <laughs> she doesn't know what to get, Daniel, for Christmas. <laughs> I can't believe there's only that many in Australia. Oh what? It's all right. Jeez. <laughs> the handbell band. All right. To catch Sarah Morrison and the handbell band uh, at the Corny Theatre. Uh, at Christmas Carol, when's it on until? Until the 29th of December. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Christmas it's Christmas Eve show as well. You know? uh, we do have a Christmas Eve show, which would be very wholesome and festive. Yeah. <laughs> and like eight years and above? Uh, yeah, eight years and above. Um, and there's, like I said, there's something in it for everyone. You'll be surprised. All right. I guarantee it. Uh, au is where you might go for more information. Sarah Morrison, thanks very much. Thank you for having me. Triple R. I did a comedy gig recently and each of the comedians had a five to seven minute spot. Um, and after six minutes, the room runner will have a light at the back of the room that they just flash on their phone just so that people know you've got a minute kind of wrap up what you're doing. Um, I'm generally pretty good. I, I don't normally need a light. It's handy if, if they're doing it, um, but I can generally go to the five or seven minutes or whatever my time frame, I will work my set around it. But it's quite phenomenal how many <laughs> comedians do not. Um, some people are good at it and some admittedly just like, I have no idea how long I've gone for. So a light, yes, mm. I would appreciate a light. Um, this one particular comedian had a light flashed at him and then, so when you see that, you generally think they're going to wrap up that story. So after that, he started again. So the room runner had flashed it again <laughs> and then flashed it again. And this comment is like, okay, I know when you don't realise that you're going over, but you've seen that light. You've seen that light many times. And he went, He they had to flash, flash it about five times. So what about five minutes over? I think that's quite rude. <gasps> of how long is it? Five to seven minutes. So it went what? for about 12 minutes. Double, more than yes. double. Your, nah, that's right? selfish. That's what I think. Mm. I used to run a room and I would, I didn't have a flashlight. I was just like, just work it out, guys. <laughs> um, and most people were good. But if you went, uh, and I... I had a comedian that went for 15 minutes for a five-minute spot uh, and then I just said straight after, you will never perform here again. <laughs> like, what? I was just like, you went three times the amount of time. Now we're running so far behind. Anyway, didn't give him another gig. Um, I'm very strict on it. I just think you should know your shit. Yeah, I think it's kind of basic. And if you've been told and then you get warnings. I will give you one to, th- one to two minutes, three minutes maybe, but... 15 minutes on a five minute, get out of my room. Yeah, good. Come on. Can't wait to go to your nights. Yeah. <laughs> scary. I am, I'm, I am quite strict with um, with timings. Uh, that was that was a comedy room that I was running. But even like with birthday parties or um, weddings, so speeches. I remember for my 21st, I told, I mean, I had far too many speeches anyway, but I had five friends doing speeches. So I'm like, okay, you guys have uh, four or five minutes each. That's how long you've got to do it. 
Four of them went to time or under and one friend went for 15 minutes. Just there were a couple hundred people there and she was just loving the attention, got a couple of laughs. Admittedly, she was very funny. Okay. But it w- it, I mean, it would have been funnier in a tight five. Mm. <laughs> oh. It's interesting how to manage it, isn't it? Because if you say go for two to three minutes knowing that they're going to go over, mm. maybe they won't take it seriously, the time limit. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you say five minutes, that's the, the real cap. Yeah. Whereas sometimes if, you know, when you're being had, yes. it's like, get here at 6.30. <laughs> yeah, no one's doing yeah, that. Yeah, no one's doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would. I, no went, yeah. would. <laughs> I went to a wedding once, which was fantastic, and they had 12 speeches. Wow. But loved it because everyone's they I think they I think they probably broke it up and I always think it's good if you're having multiple speeches always good to break it up into two blocks or three blocks mm. or whatever um but they everyone just stuck to their time they said two minutes it's like a short speech everyone get up and then I think the, you know the, the parents who spoke and the bride and groom themselves who spoke went for a little bit longer but everyone just was like okay this is the brief I'm going to do it and everybody loved it yeah if it's you stick good. to time. Exactly. Mm. And it can be great. So if you are having multiple speeches, uh, even at my wedding, and I had a, a couple of professionals giving speeches, mm. I said five minutes, right, maximum five minutes. And I, I guess I was giving a couple of minutes away. My bloody maid of honour had five pages. I said, I said five minutes, <gasps> not five pages. <gasps> no. And you know what? It, w- it was a beautiful keynote speech, but for Christ's sake, it's a <laughs> wedding. Like, yes, we've got some wonderful moments in our life together, but I'm marrying this woman as well. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it ain't my birthday. It was beautiful. But for me, I'm just like, I, I get lost because of the time. And I mean, then, yeah. I'd like to see it. civilian life have the light system, like you're at a Christmas party and you get the light flashed. Oh. Time so to go this, home. this conversation has one minute to oh, go. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to wrap this up. I was bridesmaid at a wedding once um, and it was a big wedding. There were maybe 250 people, mm. both from big families. And so I got to sit on like the special table at the front, but there was one of those weddings that had those really big long tables right. in this big hall. Um, and so I was in prime prime position for the speeches uh which went uh, i just it sounds like an exaggeration but i think it was an hour and a half the speeches in yeah um and i didn't realize because i was you know seated on the vip table as a bridesmaid i got but people who friends who was just sitting on the long tables with all the plebs said that they a lot of time couldn't hear it properly (sighs) and then their food was cold because they were trying to delay service for the speeches which obviously went way (sighs) too long and the father of the groom spoke for so long that at one point his wife, the mother who wasn't speaking, stood up and started doing the wrap it up movements with her hands <laughs> in front of the whole wedding. And everyone laughed, but I think everyone was like, no, seriously, no, seriously. you've been going for 20 minutes. Wrap Ugh. it up. Far too long. Too long. And all the sentiment was lost. Yeah. But my food was hot. So, uh, so far. Yeah. Didn't bother you. There are some uh, people who incorporate a watch into their act to, mm-hmm. so that as an excuse to look at the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Woody Allen would have look at his watch and the gag was something like sentimental about this watch. And my grandfather uh, on his deathbed sold me this watch. <laughs> Uh, but it was just an excuse to look at the clock like to know it. where you can get off. That's good. Mm. Mm. Yeah, see, I don't have – It's the content isn't an issue for me. I think it's just the timing. Um, there was an article that came out over the weekend about a wedding 
of a NRL player, played for Penrith and also played for Samoa. Uh, so it was a big Samoan wedding uh, and it's made the newspapers because of the best man's speech. So the best man was another uh, player, uh, NRL player, and it went on and on. But this is the part that he got in trouble for, okay? So this could have gone for three minutes and it would have been the worst three minutes of the groom's mm. life and the wife's. As I said, seven weeks in England, walked into the room, basically all I seen was my Uso taking selfies. Uso, his brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. My Uso FaceTiming another girl he met in England. I mean Moesha, FaceTiming Moesha. Oh. Oh. And then said that there were noises coming out of the toilets and stuff. And it's like, and you just see the groom's face and people have posted that. And oh. like, I mean, oh. yes, I get, I get annoyed about the length of time, <laughs> but wow, that speech. And ne- ever since has just come out. Now there's just been far too many articles on this speech, but he's come out and said a formal apologies and, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a hiding, had too many drinks or got excited oh, in the moment. Oh, in the doghouse, yeah. What an <laughs> idiot. Oh, God, how uncomfortable. I just wonder because that's a, that's quite a, um, a cliche, isn't it, for the best man to make a speech that is horrible. Yeah, But who's, you sit down, you write it. And you're thinking, oh, this is this is what the bride and groom want to hear. This is what the families want to hear. Who's what's going through his head? Where he just wants the, he wants the gags, he wants the laughs. Sometimes it's confusing a 21st sensibility with yes. a yes. wedding sensibility. That's it, definitely. So they're they're trying to maybe cram all their best bits of material. Yeah, yeah. Remember that time 15 years ago when you got really drunk? I'll talk about that. <laughs> it's relevant to your relationship and interesting as well. <laughs> God, I hate it. Yeah, it was horrible. Maybe God. we could get a set up a proof a speech proofreading business oh yeah to, to figure out the time but also just like if it sucks yeah i've, I've proofread speeches and like oh, yeah. I've, yeah. I've been i've ghost written some speeches have you <gasps> yeah that's interesting for weddings yeah for weddings so the the love and sentiment <sighs> and they yeah and they'll be about... like they cried it was fantastic <laughs> thanks very much mm. but you have to send through the raw material yeah, of the yeah. clay and i can help mold it yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. So oh, you can't just make up. No, I'm not no. Doing, exactly. Because f- friends of mine went to a wedding recently, and he, he was saying it was his his partner was maid of honor or whatever. She was making a speech, and she said, "Can you look over mine to her partner?" And he was like, "Take out the jokes." It's like you're trying. You're you're funny. You're naturally you're a naturally funny person. Mm. You don't need to have all these jokes in there. Yeah. And then, but then apparently she did, and it killed. And he was like, my work is done. <laughs> like, she just had a natural wit about her. Yeah. It's like, if you don't try so hard to put, like, one-liners in, yeah. it'll be great. Yeah. Well, of course, there's that old line about, you know, if I had – sorry, I would have written a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. <laughs> like, writing – being shorter and more profound in a shorter space of time, uh, it implies more effort. Yeah, because you you haven't just rambled. You've, yes. You've That's right. And time. hoping to stumble on something good. Yeah, mm, leaving yeah. the audience to to mine through your drivel. That's mm. right. So fifty bucks per speech. Hey, breakfast <laughs> <Yeah>. is an art. <laughs> Triple R. Dirt, dirt, dirt. It's where you grow your plants. Dirt, dirt, dirt. Hey, you got some on your pants. Can you stop saying about dirt? Justin Digger Cavalier is here to spread his seeds of gardening knowledge. Morning, Digger. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> I don't know if he can't greet it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that wasn't in the meeting. No. Um, now, it's pretty weird out there, isn't it? Ah, uh, I just, I haven't got enough swear words to, to explain it. Mm. I like cold weather and I like, you know, I much prefer to be cold and wet than 
than boiling hot. But this is bullshit. <laughs> it's too much. It's too right. much. And it's 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 gotten to the point where it's like there's no light at the end of the rainbow. It just keeps coming and coming mm-hmm. and coming. So, you know, summer's screwed. It's over. Yeah, you've called it. Yeah, Jeez. I'm calling As far as a gardener and, and especially for summer crops, there might be a few, you know, lettuces and things, but... There is just so many fungal diseases around and plants are just waterlogged and, you know, everybody's at Mon sent me some pictures of a kangaroo paws Deesh. the other day and I, every single day I'm getting pictures of what's this and it's just like fungal, fungal, fungal. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's too much. Uh, do, do, cli- do climbing plants avoid fungal issues or not? It's They do a lot better and this is you know, part of the reason I'm talking about them today. They do a lot better because... Now, naturally, they're all ground covers. That was the origins of what we call climbing plants. And then, obviously, to be able to get access to light and air and all the other things that they need, they develop the ability to, to climb up. Um, so they do get tend to get more airflow. And because they, in the wild, they would use trees to climb up to get... Trees have most of their water and, and lack of airflow up in their canopy. So there's a gap in between it, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. as, as multiple stories go. So... Um, yeah, they're really, really good at it, really mm. good at it. And you know, it's not that they don't suffer from fungal diseases because, you know, we grow plants from all over the world now in our gardens. But, uh, yeah, less likely. You see it less often. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they need – how much assistance do they need? Well, it depends on different varieties. So I was out in the courtyard just then. We've got beautiful ficus pumula out there, um, self-clinging. They develop aerial roots. So some climbers have aerial roots out of their stems and they'll just grip onto anything. It doesn't even matter what it is from steel through to brick through to wood. It doesn't matter, which is quite mm. fascinating. Um, so, so things like that and the ivies. The ivies get a bad rap because they do the same thing and because they get a bit of ch- uh, colour change in their leaf in the autumn time, they're highly ornamental. People put them on their houses and then 15 years later, it's like, ah, oh, shit, because you know, they've gone right through the brickwork. So they can do a fair bit of damage because they just eat it away. It's like, ah, plants haven't seen rock before, Mm, you know, (laughs) moving rocks out of the way and breaking down rocks for two and a half years. I thought the damage was cosmetic. Like if you ever remove it, then it's kind of stained the wall. But you're saying it goes, it permeates. Yeah, it goes right, eats right through the the rock and and especially through the mortar. That's easy for roots to get in through. And so it just goes in one side and out the other side. Okay, but then you have houses that are hundreds of years old with ivy growing all over them. Well, and I've got a garage that's hundreds of years old, and the only thing holding it up is my ficus pumula. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's literally it is. It's almost like you know some of the the suckering climbers where the frame is just you know rat shit. It's mm-hmm. rotted out, and it's only the climber that's as thick as my wrist that's holding it up. Okay. If I was to take that off, literally the whole thing would just collapse like a you know, deck of cards. Oh, mm. great. Yeah. Bloody hell. There are a lot of questions to get through. Yes. yes. From um, listeners who want your expertise. Well, someone wants – I don't know if you can do this one on air because they're asking for – or maybe a style. They want to buy their partner secateurs for Christmas. Okay. Um, or oh, brands. Mm. Ooh, can, can I do that? Can you do it? You're, yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah. go on. Uh, I'll, I'll do it this way. Um, think – any of the Swiss or Japanese brands would be great. Okay. Okay, well said. Mm. A particular style, good, or just one um, of those Swiss So, yeah, gardening shoes. But the main thing with them, you've got to think about hand size. It's all about the grip, you know, yeah. so it's got to fit inside your grip. So oh, there they are in do. studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my lads bring yeah. these into the studio. Um, but it's got to fit into your <gasps> hand. Mm. Yeah. Do you okay. have, like, youth size ones? Absolutely. So, yeah, and, and the Swiss brand I'm talking about literally has them for every possible person, Molly Dukas, everything. 
Okay, great. Right. Uh, what is the best way to break down clay soil in a garden bed? I have been layering cane mulch over the bed, but the most... But that's mostly to stop the dog trampling the mm. clay inside. Uh, will it ever be suitable to grow veggies? Yes, um, long, long time. So I'd suggest you look up no-dig garden beds, which is using lots and lots of organic matter on top of the clay, and eventually it'll crack the clay open and the plants will penetrate. So it's going to be a few years. It's not something that you, you fix in one season, but no-dig garden over the top of them. You uh, did, well, we've touched on the wet, but uh, it is so bloody wet. How do I pre- help prevent root rot in everything is the idea. Um, planting into mounds, that was one thing I was going to say to you, mm. Mons, like maybe lift them up and create a bit of a mound oh. so that water drains off them. Um, so would so you, would it, for example, would you take that plant out, yeah. build a mound and then replant it? Correct. In okay. Because yeah. if you don't, you're running the risk it's going to cark it anyway, so you've got nothing to lose. That's a good point. Also got a heap of veggie soil delivered and it's alkaline. Can I fix it? Um, yes, if it's alkaline, you can add sulphur or, but kind of back to Bobby's point, if you uh, go to the same mob that you got the soil from and ask them to pH test their mulches, if you've got alkaline soil, you can get an acidic mulch, put that on top and they eventually, over time, they will equalise each other out, okay. depending, on, depending on how severe it is. Mm. My hops vine has installed about a foot up the trellis Mm -hmm. but was healthy last summer. Is this due to the weather? Yeah, this kind of weather. Wet weather, they love moisture, hops, and so great time. Great time for hops. Yeah, let's just get on the beers. (laughs) (laughs) Just get on the beers. Um, The climbing plant has wrapped its roots around my cactus about four metres. How do I remove it from the middle of the plant? Very spiky cactus. Um, Gloves? Yeah, leather gloves. That's your only option and, okay. and good pair of secretaires. Okay. <laughs> Do you wear gloves often? Nah. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I just don't have the dexterity with it. It's like you feel like you're, yeah. you know, some sort of robot. Yeah. Yeah. The um, re- but there's some things that you're going to have to. Oh, yeah, I've still got a, there's a lump in the back of my neck. It's a rose thorn from 1992. Oh, still are you serious? Still in the back of my neck. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what do you mean well, it's still there? Oh. Yeah, but that, I mean, that could be anything. How do you think about it? You doctors about it. And, and like, they said just leave it in there. They're, they're like, yeah, it's a sebaceous kind of cyst growing around it, but, you know, I'll right. get it cut out at some point. So you're like oh. literally part plant. Is that why you brought your secretaries yeah. in? Do you want yeah, us to people, do it for some you? Some people get tattoos. <gasps> I put thorns into my <laughs> 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 That's hardcore, yeah. Uh, my forest pansy is drowning. Any chance it will come back? There's a chance. We just need the bloody rain to stop and some sun to come out. Let's all just start doing sun dances instead of rain dances. Well... This weekend it looks like maybe. Um, and the forest pansy are fairly tough. They, mm. it, you know, it's a fairly tough plant. But we just, I don't know, it's just the not knowing what's going to happen. I used to think I knew what was going to happen, but yeah. I'm not so sure not anymore. this time around. I did want to ask about the ta- the new golf course that, that Holmes Glen TAFE is launching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what would you, um, I'm not sure if you've been approached for it or if. I haven't. But, <laughs> but if you were approached, what do you think would be important? Um. I just like the whole the major concept of being inclusive of everything. It's like what what can we draw into this? It's not just about one single sport or one single activity. Mm. Um, to have multiple functions and multiple uses is the best part about it. Now, you know, I'm a I, I'm a golfer. I love the game. I understand. Um, there's a lot of things in golf that people who don't play golf don't understand about you know, what it teaches you. It's not just about hitting a ball. It teaches you patience and and understanding and to be able to look at the natural environment and work with the natural environment because you're not going to beat it. That's the number one thing about golf. You don't win. Golf Mm. wins every (laughs) single time. And it's the same with the natural world. The natural world is going to win. 
but you can get great joy out of just participating with it and understanding them and and being there mm. you know there's a classic saying in golf that you know your worst day in the golf course is still the best day or better than your best day at work yeah right <laughs> uh and when you play is there anything on the grounds that you see as a common uh problem or something that you think might be a horticultural fix um there is a lot of work being done obviously about the use of you know synthetic fertilizers in athletics in sports fields because there's a lot of obviously water and and fertilizers that goes into them um so the selection of native grasses and a lot of native vegetation that will not need the synthetic fertilizers and the water into the future essentially back to what golf was started which was just a wilderness mm. that you would hit a ball around and so take it back to that where yes you still need some manicuring but if the species don't need the veget if they don't need the fertilizers and the water then it's an environmentally friendly place or friendlier anyway. yeah uh is there any point trying to grow tomatoes this year um that's i was going to say that before look mine are growing okay they've done okay and there is signs of fungal mm. infection i have been picking some leaves off so i guarantee all of you at home go out and look at your tomatoes today or the next couple of days and there'll be some black spots on the leaves especially on the lower ones start picking them off because they're the fungal spores and so if you just leave them on they're just going to spread fungal spores around take the leaves off it allows a bit more airflow hopefully we'll get more sun and that's all we can really do as far as ripening goes who knows you know mm. I'm, there's fruit set out there and i've seen a, a few people starting to harvest already which is you know quite miraculous but yeah don't, don't hold your horse don't hold your hopes hope get your hopes don't up get your hopes up and hold your horse yeah, yeah. yeah and do. just don't worry about your hops they're going to be fine <laughs> and just on climbing plants are they uh, visually how do they help you as a as a gunner what do you observe as their effect why are they so appealing? Does well, it... it just it's they're the ultimate gap fillers. So in a forest environment, they just fill all the gaps. You've got you know ground covers and shrubs and trees, and they just will take over and go in between everything else. And we can do the same thing at home. As far as cooling effect in in cities, we can get them to go vertical, horizontal, get them to do anything we want. So yeah, get them up a wall. You know, I was going to mention one in particular, a native. Um, uh, Canadia uh, nigrescens, which is the black coral pea, if you want to you know, look at that beautiful, this amazing looking black and yellow flower that you don't see very often. And it can be, if you keep pruning, it gets quite dense. But if you leave it on its own, it's quite light. It's like the ultimate versatile kind of climber. Mm. Semi-shade through to full sun. It's almost like you can't lose. Mm. And there's a whole stack of the similar ones out there. So that's a climber. Is it a clinger or do you need to put up? No, you would need something for that to hold on to. So... Um, it, we don't have any natives that are self-clinging, so that's almost better because, you know, say you've got on a fence, you can put it on some Rio mesh, you know, the concrete reinforcement mesh when they pour concrete slabs into that gridded oh, yeah. kind yep. of rusty stuff. You can just get a couple of hooks and hook that onto a fence rather than attaching wires and everything to it and rather than the climber being attached to the, to the fence or the wall. Mm. And if it's time to rebuild the fence, you just literally unhook it and fold it down and build your new fence and hook it back on again. Mm. So there's more flexibility in having something like a structure to hold on to rather than having it clung to the fence. Yeah. The wall. Uh, do horticulturalists use stage one, two, three, four or five clingers as in, or is that just a relationship for <laughs> No, we're all stage five. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if you want to ask Digger more questions, you'll have to come to the Corner Hotel Friday, six till nine. Digger will be there at the outside broadcast. Look forward to it. See you then. Thanks, mate. Melbourne's own Triple R. I was walking down the street yesterday and all of a sudden I had this sense of Christmas because I could smell something. What do you think I could smell? Trees. 
yes, pine. Mm. It was... It, it just went smack in my face and I just felt joy. And then mm-hmm. a shop that I was walking past had, yeah, um, fresh Christmas Christmas trees out the front. There was a family packing one into the car. It was very much like a Christmas rom-com. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it made me think about the smells that are nostalgic for me and, and for what reason. Yesterday when we were um, – yesterday, uh, there was a staff member that I was around, not here <laughs> – I'm trying to get around. Is this a deposition? <laughs> Daniel, yesterday I noticed stunk. Oh, anyway, a few years ago. <laughs> a friend of mine. A friend of mine uh, who was a male. This is not you. Anyway, he had really strong <laughs> cologne and I just, as, as soon as I smelt it, I was just like, it just takes me to a flashback of nightclubbing. Ah. Like when I was younger, when I was in my 20s or whatever, as soon as I smell it every single time, wherever I am, sometimes even with my brothers, I'm just like, damn, that is just back at a nightclub. Slinks Africa in their 40s. Cool. I I just think it's so (laughs) strong. And it's anyway, uh, and that happened to me recently as well. But, you know, one of the things that I think kids or when you think of, you know, when you you think of your mum and you think of, I don't know, baking or cookies or a sweet perfume or something like that. Uh, When I was younger, my mum used to smoke. She didn't smoke for the last 20 years of her life. Mm. But I recall in like primary school or walking down the street and smelling cigarettes and going, oh, (laughs) mum. (laughs) (laughs) And it was was just a – and I remember even growing up older. I I think by the time I was 20 she had quit smoking, but it was just that – thought from when I was younger so even in my early 20s when I would walk and smell smoke I would think of mum instantly mm. not the most mixed with anything like mixed with a perfume or a no just straight it, could, it was a menthol type? smoke menthol. it was it was menthol so as soon as, soon as I got that I'm just like oh damn I can't remember the last time I smelled a menthol cigarette but I reckon I'd get the same my mum used to smoke menthols yeah right don't have a positive association <laughs> with it but maybe if someone wants to smoke one around me we'll see what happens mm. Yeah, no, that's uh, probably not one of the nicest memories. <laughs> she passed away from lung cancer yeah. too. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> what about potpourri? Oh, that reminds me of knick-knack stores in Blackwood that I would go to. Like there, there was go. just one store that you go in and just smells like it straight away. Yeah. Oh, it's phased out. Is it bad for the environment or we just realised that it's a bit gross? Oh, I, well, I thought it just became unfashionable. I yeah, thought so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I've got to get you guys something different for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> been drying out these flowers in my oven for weeks. Because I was looking at, you know how corn chips, like uh, they're new fancy chips and I don't know what they're made of, some made out of kale or what. Anyway, I opened a bag of chips. I'm like, what is this, potpourri? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gross. You know they got those new fancy chips? <laughs> it looks like a bunch of dried flowers. <laughs> mm. um, the smell of donuts would remind me of my parents' together because they would uh they had a service station and they would get donuts delivered every morning and Mm. like this big tray and so the sweet smell of a donut reminds me of if i would work there in the mornings and the donut delivery would come in so that's probably a nicer recollection of your your parents donut smell is nicer than ciggy but i think if you because everybody every house maybe this isn't so true anymore but would have its own identifiable smell Mm. Yeah, we used to, when we would get hand-me-downs from older cousins, we could tell which family they'd come from because of the smell. Yeah. All clean clothes. Yes. And then we were always, then you always wonder, what's our smell like? What, yes. where, what What's the severe smell? We don't know. Tell me. Yeah, you're too close to it. Yeah. 
But it's amazing that they can have, like, you can have a, yeah. I'm always conscious of people that have pets. Now that I've got a pet, I'm like, oh, my God, we don't smell like we and poos in this place, do we? Oh, yeah, <laughs> you do. Just a bit, Yeah, though. just a little bit, not too bad. <laughs> uh, one of our neighbours was painting her uh, apartment recently and whenever someone paints in an apartment building, especially on your level, it just seeps through all the vents and everyone can smell it. And the paint smell reminds me of kerosene and that takes me to Pacific Islands because a lot of the um, homes don't have electricity or so they will cook with kerosene and use lanterns for lighting and everything as well. Mm. So as soon as I smell that, like Abby's like, oh, what is that smell? It's like, ah, oh, Pacific. Oh. <laughs> There's another smell that's not quite nice, but it just takes me back straight away. I think of sitting in a hut looking at the beach with this strong kerosene lantern. Just the ciggies and the kerosene. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> de Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think I, I think I've um, mentioned this before, but I know when I was when I was eighteen or nineteen, and I had a new boyfriend, and he was overseas, and went going over to my uncle's house. My uncle was wearing the same cologne, that oh. I, and it really messed me up. It really put you off, <laughs> yeah, it would, because I was like, oh, that smell is, oh no, it's I, you. <laughs> gross. Yeah. Mm. Made me miss him, and also can't see my uncle anymore. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's always been my tip, not that I've practised it myself, but to wear a cologne that's about a generation out of date. As in it's... Not, not expired, but... It's so not in fashion. It's not necessarily in fashion because yeah. then you'll bring... It'll be like they've known you forever. Yeah. That's so, yeah. That's so cunning. Yeah. Like, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> right. like to sort of trick them. No, it's not like... It's, no, it's... Yeah, it's... No, Trick them into familiarity. Yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's so, aromatic deception. So, aromatic deception. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when I think of perfume from high school, I think of Tommy Girl. I think oh, yeah, everyone yeah. wore it. It was cheap. It was fashionable. Yeah. Everyone just loved it. I can, I, yeah, I don't know if I... I think my, my sister would have had that. Mm. I think in the future what's going to happen is that I'll smell Glen 20 and I'll go... <laughs> Lockdowns. Mm. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they uh, got, a, got a text saying that they buy new cologne every time they go overseas so they could get transported back to their <gasps> holiday. Oh, that's a good idea. And it works well, apparently. Yeah. yeah. I was told recently uh, by my midwife that because you can bring in like diffusers and stuff mm. like that and have oil, nice smells in the room. Yeah. And she's like, start. Get, get one that you like and start having it on at home. So when you come into the hospital, it's like a familiar, safe smell. Right. Might bring a can of Glen 20, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can of Glen 20 in a flannel and shove it up to Bobby Goodmon's <laughs> face. Triple R. Thanks for listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or the Triple R website.